Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hi, Donovan. My wife and I love watching your videos. It was her idea to send you our story, but she asked me to write it. Before this happened to us, I never really thought much about the supernatural stuff, but I do now. 2013 was a big year for us. Abby and I were getting married in October. And then three months before our wedding, we found out we were expecting our first child. With so much going on already, we decided why not add more stress and buy our first house. We had been renting a two-bedroom apartment close to D.C. for two years, but we were paying so much in rent that we decided it made more sense to move out of the city into a suburb in Virginia. I knew I was looking at a long commute with D.C. traffic, but it was worth it to actually buy our own house. We needed more space and could get a house for less money than we were paying monthly in rent for our small apartment. Abby was working as a nurse in the ER department, not far from our apartment. As soon as we found out about the baby, we realized she wouldn't be able to keep doing the 12-hour shifts. She planned to keep working during her pregnancy. But since we were moving anyway, and she was so exhausted with the pregnancy, we decided she needed to quit her full-time job. That meant we had to budget for a new house with only my income. With the home prices in Northern Virginia, we definitely couldn't afford our dream home. We looked at a lot of houses and quickly realized that we're not going to find any new or newly updated house in the location we wanted in our price range. We decided that if the location and lot were good, we would consider a fixer-upper. We were just about ready to give up on our house search when we finally found the perfect house. It wasn't exactly perfect as it was, but it was in a great location on a perfect little lot and well within our budget. The listing described it as a house with a lot of potential. I immediately saw the potential, but Abby needed some convincing. The house had so much character. It was over a 100 years old, so much older than any house I've ever thought I would buy. We both loved all the unique little touches we didn't see in most of the cookie-cutter homes we had toured. This house had only three bedrooms, but the rooms were huge. It had a big unfinished basement, which wasn't high on Abby's priorities, but I thought it would be great for a workout room and maybe a workshop. Abby had a hard time looking past the odd paint colors and outdated kitchen, but there were some great updates like the roof and the heating and the air conditioning system. At first, I was concerned that a house this age wouldn't be cool enough because it obviously wasn't built with central air conditioning. That would have been a deal breaker for me. But the previous owners who lived there for only two years had installed a top-of-the-line VRF system, which kept the entire house really cool. Abby did love the neighborhood, and after going over the numbers, we decided we could update the kitchen right away. This was enough to get Abby on board with this house. So we offered a full listing price because there was another offer already on the table. We got the call from our agent the next day that the offer had been accepted. I was glad because by that point, Abby had planned out our lives in that little house. Little did she know what would happen in that house. We closed on the house just three weeks before our wedding and moved in right away. We didn't have nearly enough furniture to fill up our new house. We actually didn't have much furniture at all. 
and what we did have was mostly furniture that our parents no longer wanted. We ordered a new bedroom set, which was delayed, so we ended up sleeping on an air mattress when we moved in. Abby was exhausted after the move, so she went to bed early the first night in the house, probably around 8 o'clock. My brother Mitch had come up from North Carolina, and we were trying to reassemble a shelving unit that had been disassembled for the move. It was a harder job than we expected, and I'm sure the beer didn't help to make it any easier. Mitch was planning to stay at our parents' house that night, but after having some drinks, he decided just to stay on our couch that night. I think it was around midnight when I went to bed. Abby was sound asleep, and I tried to get into bed without disturbing her, as I knew she was exhausted. The air mattress was more comfortable than I expected, or maybe I was just really tired, but either way, I fell asleep right away. I wasn't asleep long when I woke up shivering. I knew the AC worked well in this house, but I was actually freezing. I looked over at Abby and she was still asleep. I got up to see if I could find a blanket somewhere in one of the boxes in our bedroom. As I got out of bed, I could have sworn I saw movement like someone ran out of our bedroom. Of course, this made no sense because Abby was sleeping and we didn't have pets or anything, so I assumed I was imagining things half asleep. I was using the light on my phone to dig through a box to find some blankets when I realized it wasn't even cold in the room anymore, so I went back to bed. We didn't have any blinds on our windows, so the next morning Abby and I both woke up as soon as the sun started shining in our windows. I asked her if she slept okay on the air mattress, and she said she did once I finally stopped coming in and out of the bedroom. I was confused and asked what she meant. She said she heard me opening and closing the bedroom door and pacing in the hallway. She asked what I was doing. I had no idea what she was talking about and assumed she must have been dreaming. She seemed convinced of it, so I just said sorry if I woke you up and we left it at that. Looking back, I guess that should have seemed more alarming. I knew I wasn't pacing the hallway. Mitch had already left when I went downstairs. I talked to him later that day, and he asked me if Abby had trouble sleeping. I said no, why? He said he kept hearing walking or pacing upstairs in the hallway. He said he knew it wasn't me because I sound like an elephant when I walk and this was quiet. I told him he was crazy and he must have drank more than I thought he did. But I did think it was strange that Abby had heard the same thing. The next two weeks were really busy. We were still unpacking and getting the new house in order while getting ready for our wedding. I was also getting used to my new commute. I knew my commute would be longer, but I still wasn't prepared for just how much time I would be spending on the road. Luckily, I was able to flex my schedule so that I could start going in an hour early, which meant I could beat some of the traffic in and out of the city. We had the perfect wedding day and enjoyed every minute of our honeymoon in Punta Cana. After all of the work the past weeks, a week of relaxing on the beach and by the pool was perfect. As much as we enjoyed the time away, we were glad to be back home after our honeymoon. Abby was starting to feel more energetic and was excited about starting the kitchen remodel, which we did as soon as we got home. Abby and I did most of the demolition ourselves in one weekend. My friend, who was a contractor, started working on the kitchen the next week. We had been eating out or getting takeout or microwaving food while sitting on the couch since our kitchen was destroyed. One evening, Abby insisted that we actually have a real dinner at home. We couldn't actually cook in the kitchen, so I grilled some chicken and veggies. 
Abby set the dining room for a candlelight dinner. We had originally said that we didn't need a house with a formal dining room because we didn't think we would ever use it. But this dining room was really something, especially in candlelight. We had just started eating when Abby started coughing uncontrollably. I asked her if she was okay, and she said that she felt like she couldn't breathe. Obviously, she was breathing because she was able to talk, but every time she tried to eat, she started coughing. She was worried and started to panic because of the baby, so she called her doctor to see if she should go to the hospital. She was on hold with the doctor, and as soon as she walked out of the dining room, she stopped coughing. She apologized for calling, and she said she was now feeling fine. We settled into our life in our new house. Neither of us were sleeping very well. Abby blamed it on the pregnancy. I tried to convince myself it was nothing, but it did sound like there were footsteps in the hallway at night. Not loud, but quiet footsteps. Almost like a child was walking or running in the hallway. We finished the kitchen remodel before Christmas and enjoyed the holidays in our new home. Our daughter Lily was born in March. Looking back, the early years of Lily's life are kind of a blur. Work was getting increasingly stressful. Abby loved being home with Lily, but I know she missed working because she truly loved being a nurse. She said sometimes it felt like someone else was in the house. She couldn't really explain what she meant. I thought maybe she was spending too much time at home alone with Lily and really missed the adult interaction, especially since I was spending longer days at work. When Lily was three years old, Abby found out that a primary care doctor she knew from the neighborhood was looking to hire a part-time nurse, basically to job share with another nurse. This was perfect as Abby was not ready to go back to work full-time, especially with the cost of daycare. Abby got the job working two or sometimes three days per week. We found a great preschool for Lily, and she was so excited to start going to school. She wore her little pink backpack around the house for weeks before preschool even started. Lily loved preschool, and her teacher said she was doing great. Lily loved the other kids, but since we dropped her off early before most of the others, we didn't have the chance to meet many of the other children in her class. Lily talked about her friend Anna all of the time. We heard about Anna's pretty dresses and her long braids. Lily wanted to have red hair like Anna, and suddenly wanted to wear dresses every day like Anna did. One day, I think it was a Saturday, I walked past Lily's bedroom and she was talking and laughing and singing. She couldn't stop laughing. I asked her what was so funny and she said, Anna is funny. I thought she was laughing about something Anna did at school. I asked Lily if her teacher thought Anna was funny. Lily looked confused and said, Daddy, that's silly. Anna doesn't go to school. I was confused, so I asked, where did she play with Anna? She said, here, Daddy. She lives here, and started laughing and talking to herself again. I told Abby about the conversation. She said she would ask Lily's teacher about Anna, and when she did, we learned that there was no Anna in her class. Lily's teacher told Abby that it's not all that unusual for children that age to have imaginary friends. Lily had such a vivid imagination and we decided that it was nothing to worry about. That year, we decided to host a Friendsgiving party with some of our neighborhood friends the weekend before Thanksgiving. We invited three families, two of which had little girls about the same age as Lily. Abby set up the kids' table next to the adult table, and Lily insisted that Anna needed a chair at the table. 
I thought this was going a little overboard, but that Abby had a hard time saying no to Lily. As soon as we started eating, Lily started screaming. This was not like her at all. She frantically said, Mommy, help Anna. Abby immediately ran over to Lily, but Lily was pretty much hysterical. She said, Anna, coughing, help her, Mommy. Abby remained calm and tried to comfort her. Lily ran from the dining room to her bedroom and Abby followed. The rest of us tried to finish dinner, but everyone was definitely on edge. They all knew about Lily's imaginary friend, Anna, but none of us had ever seen Lily act like that. The party was cut short and everyone left before we even had dessert. I went to check on Lily and Abby and found them both asleep on her little bed. They looked so sweet and my heart was still breaking for Lily as I had never seen her so upset. As I was leaving her bedroom, I thought I heard Lily say, Bye-bye, Anna. After that dinner, Lily didn't talk about Anna anymore. Abby and I didn't want to upset her, so we didn't ask about Anna. And we all stayed out of the dining room. Abby continued to do great at preschool. In January, it was her turn to be student of the month. This meant that she got to create a poster all about her to share with the class. Lily loves to have her picture taken, so Abby has many pictures on her phone. She was scrolling through pictures for the preschool poster. When I heard her say, what in the world? Lily was sitting on the floor watching TV. Abby walked over to her and showed her the phone. She said, Lily, honey, did you take this picture? Lily loved to take her phones and snap pictures of random things around the house. So I really didn't think much about it until I heard Lily's answer. Yes, that's Anna. We play hide and seek. Abby tried to hide her surprise, but she looked like she could barely stand up. She came over to me and dropped her phone in my lap. Here's the picture that she showed me. We still live in the same house. Lily is eight years old now and she loves being a big sister to our new little baby. Lily hasn't talked about Anna since that dinner when she was three years old. I don't know if she remembers it, but Abby and I will never forget that dinner. I guess we'll never know exactly what happened that night or what happened in this house before it was our house. Hey Donovan, I love your show and I listen whenever I have the time. I love listening to the stories of strange encounters. I never thought I would have the same experience, but last weekend I did. My name's Tom and I work for the New Jersey State Police. Last weekend I was on duty near the Pine Barrens, out around Egg Harbor City in Weymouth. I like working out there because it's easy and the work I do is pretty tame. Maybe catch a guy speeding or get a few DUIs. It's a lot easier than arresting pimps and hookers in Atlantic City or Camden. Anyhow, it was around 10.30 at night and I was staked out on a roadside with the radar gun on, trying to catch anyone speeding. I was getting pretty damn bored to be honest. Just wanted to get home when my shift was done and get some sleep. Just then I heard the strangest sound I've ever heard. It was this weird cross between like a hooting sound and a screeching. Sounded like the biggest owl you've ever heard in your life. Then something flashed in front of my windshield. I could see these giant wings. They had to be at least 10 feet across. And then I saw the head of this thing. It was really freaking weird. I'd describe it as goat-like with a long muzzle and these evil red eyes. And the head had these giant horns on top. They had to be at least 12 inches long. 
The skull looked bony too, like a skeleton head. The thing landed on the roof of the squad car. I could feel its weight deading the top. I grabbed my gun and locked the doors. I wanted to get out and blast it, but I felt frozen inside. I've seen a lot of things in my life. Serial killers, suicide victims, meth heads with no teeth left in their heads. But I've never seen anything like this. I just wanted it to be over. Then I heard glass break and I noticed my back windshield is broken out. Glass is everywhere. There was a strong odor like rotten eggs. Sulfur is what I think they call that smell. Then it was gone. I heard the swoop of the wings and saw it fly off into the headlights and its long tail was the last thing I saw. So I'm sitting there trying to catch my breath. I called the lieutenant and tried to explain what happened. I call and say, listen, you're not going to believe this, but I'm out in the Pine Barrens and I think I just saw and that's when he cuts me off. The lieutenant says, you didn't see anything, okay? I said, sir, but I'm telling you I saw something weird. I think it was a Jersey Devil. Again, he cuts me off. You didn't see anything, understand? And if you keep this up, you're no longer a police officer. You will be fired. Now look, I've got a family. I got a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. I need this job to survive. I had to just say, okay, sir. I know a lot of you out there probably think I'm a wuss for doing that. But hey, it is what it is. I don't know why I was treated like this. Whether it's a cover-up of some kind or what. All I can do is tell my story and I promise every word is true. Oh, and one other thing. The next day I was reassigned to only working North Jersey now. I think they want to keep me out of the way. Hey there, Donovan. Love your show and you're making the world a better place by sharing the wisdom, brother. I'm a believer. To those who don't believe in Bigfoot, please explain to me what tried to kill me last summer. Okay, my mother lives in Ohio and she just turned 70. I figured I'd be a good son and fly down to visit her as a birthday present. I should mention it was a dream of my mom's to live deep in the woods on a ton of land. Her dream came true. She lives in the middle of nowhere surrounded by deep woods with no neighbors. At night after she went to bed, I would sneak out to smoke a cigarette. She would kill me if she knew I smoked. Anyways, one night I went into the woods to burn one and get some fresh air. Everything was going great when out of nowhere I got a whiff of the most rancid smell I've ever smelt in my entire life. It was like a wet dog, burnt hair, and weak old garbage on steroids. My eyes were immediately teared up. I was wondering if my mom was throwing trash out into the woods and turned on the flashlight on my phone. Looking for the trash, the smell kept getting worse and worse. I had to tuck my nose into my shirt, and even that was barely helping. I was about to give up when I heard this huge thud on the ground next to me. I flashed my light on it, expecting to find a large animal, but it turned out to be a huge rock. Confused, I started looking around me, wondering where this thing could have come from. Before I could complete the thought, I heard another boulder whiz by my head. I was seriously freaked out, so I charged in the direction the rock came from and yelled some profanities as intimidatingly as I could. The putrid smell overwhelmed me, and before I could turn back, I came face to face with this terrifying ape-like beast. It was like time froze. 
I saw its beady eyes, furry head, hairy body, and a face like a demonic caveman. I heard a huge growl that was deep, bellowing, and unlike anything I've ever heard before. I sprinted away as fast as I could towards the house. The sounds that came out of this thing were awful. I will never forget the sound of its growl. As I ran, I could hear it coming after me from behind. The sounds of its grunts as it ran still haunt me to this day. I busted through the front door, slammed it behind me, and locked it. The second I turned the lock, the beast banged against the door. I had made it inside safely by seconds. It continued to pound on the door, shaking the entire frame of the house. I had no idea what to do. I stepped back from the door in fear as it kept pounding on the door. My mom came running out of her bedroom screaming, What the hell is that? I couldn't speak. I was in fear for my life. We started grabbing tables and chairs and heavy furniture and began barricading the front door. The sounds finally stopped and I felt a rush of relief flood my body. My mom asked me again, what the hell is that? I didn't have the heart to tell her the truth, so I replied, you have to be careful with bears around here, mom. As soon as I finished my sentence, a huge slam came from the side of the house. I grabbed a kitchen knife and headed over to the sound and prayed I wouldn't have to use the knife. The creature kept pounding on the house. If he kept this up long enough, the wall would actually cave in. Where's dad's shotgun? I asked mom in a panic. She froze. My dad was an avid hunter before he died. But my mom had never held a gun in her life. I grabbed her by the shoulders as the pounding on the walls continued. Mom, this is life or death. Where's dad's shotgun? I don't know. I don't know, she said. Maybe under the bed. I don't know. It was my last hope. I ran into her bedroom and began pulling everything out from under her bed. I threw a box, sewing machine, old yearbooks, and my lacrosse trophies, and all sorts of other junk out of the way. Finally, I felt the cold of the shotgun barrel. I didn't even check if it was loaded. I ran straight back into the living room where this creature was in full swing. Suddenly, silence filled the air. You could hear a pin drop in the house. I heard the wind howling outside and the trees rustling, but no more bashing. I slowly crept out the back door, shotgun at the ready, and crept over to the side of the house. I tried to be as quiet as possible, taking light steps and holding my breath. I could feel my heart pounding as I turned the corner. It was dark outside and I could barely see anything. I went over to where the creature was attacking and the house was ripped to shreds. Debris littered the yard and chunks of wood were ripped off of the house. Large portions were bashed in, and you could begin seeing a faint light from inside the house. Had this continued, it would have broken through the wall in a matter of minutes. The next thing I knew, I hear this terrifying, aggressive roar from behind me. I whipped around and saw the beast sprinting towards me, his huge lumbering arms propelling his giant body towards me at an impressive speed. I closed my eyes, bracing for the impact as I fired off a shot. I heard the dirt as the creature stopped himself with force. Now silence. I fired another shot and heard this strange whooping from the large ape. He took off into the forest so fast I could barely see. I listened to his giant footsteps until they disappeared into the night. I went back inside, mom quivering in fear. Is it dead, she asked. 
You got to be careful leaving food out around the bears, Mom, I replied and went into the guest bedroom. I closed the door and fell to the floor and contemplated how close we came to death. Was it Bigfoot? If you're asking me, what else could it possibly be? Hi, Donovan. I've been a fan of your show for quite a while now. I was never a believer of the paranormal until I had this bizarre encounter that changed my life forever. I live in West Virginia, and I was always a hard skeptic due to my strict Catholic upbringing. That changed one night when me and my family were out camping in the woods. It was around 10 p.m. and pitch black outside. We were all sitting around the campfire, enjoying some steaks that my dad had just cooked. Suddenly, my cousin Jimmy said, Did you hear that? We all paused and listened intensely, but we couldn't hear anything. Jimmy insisted that he heard something, so my dad suggested that we go look for whatever it was. We all grabbed our flashlights and walked into the woods. The further we walked, the more uneasy I felt. I had a strong feeling that something was watching us, but I refused to believe that it was anything other than my imagination and Jimmy's paranoia. The woods were eerily quiet. You could hear all three of our feet crunching on the leaves beneath us. No insect sounds, no animal noises, just a profound silence. We had been walking for about 10 minutes when suddenly we heard a loud screeching noise coming from above us. The sound of the screech was absolutely bone-chilling. It sounded like a mixture of nails on a chalkboard and the roar of a lion. It sent shivers down my spine and made my hair stand up all over my body. We all looked up and saw a large creature flying directly over us. This beast was huge. I'm talking easily five or six feet tall. It had these big reflective red eyes that almost looked like they were on fire. Its wingspan was unbelievably massive. The only thing I can compare it to are the wings of a giant bat, leathery and veiny, making a thunderous clap as they flapped. It had thick black feathers covering its entire body. I was absolutely petrified and could not believe what I was seeing. My family members were just as scared as I was, and we all ran away screaming in horror. The woods were thick and dark, except for a small circle of light my flashlight emitted. Every rustle of leaves or snap of a branch made me jump and sent my heart racing faster. I could hear Dad's breathing and Jimmy's footsteps ahead of me, but I felt completely alone in the darkness. I was crying and praying and desperately running to survive. I tripped over a branch and collapsed to the ground, twisting my ankle in the process. I heard Dad and Jimmy's screams ahead of me. Help! Run! Faster! Go! I broke my flashlight, and to feel my way towards my family's screams, I tried yelling for help, but they were too far ahead of me and screaming too loud to hear me. Finally, my dad started calling for me, and I started to yell loudly enough for him to come look for me. As I saw his flashlight peeking through the trees, I heard the flaps of the beast's wings behind me. I knew it was time to move. I ran towards Dad's flashlight, clenching my jaw as hard as I could to overcome the pain of my twisted ankle. I finally reached my dad, and he started screaming, Go! 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 Suddenly, I heard this loud screeching noise, and something large crashed through the trees towards us. Dad grabbed my hand, and we ran even faster. 
but I could feel the thing gaining on us. My pain from my ankle was intense, but my desire to escape from the creature was far more powerful. The trees were thinning ahead, and I could see the campsite just beyond. We were almost there when Dad suddenly pulled me back, and we hid behind a tree as the creature flew overhead. It had huge wings that spanned at least ten feet, and it was screeching so loudly that I thought my ears would bleed. We were all shaking and crying from terror and relief when we finally got back to the campsite. That night is burned into my memory, and I'll never forget how scared I was. We immediately packed up and drove home. There was no way we were staying in those woods any longer. My family and I spent the entire night trying to discount what we saw, but all of us saw the same thing. We were terrified, and I still don't know what to make of it. Was it an alien? A demon? It was later that we heard descriptions of the Mothman, the red eyes, the bat wings and body, and the anthropomorphic limbs. Could it have been a Mothman that we so desperately ran away from? I was no longer a skeptic, but a believer in the paranormal. I'd experienced the Mothman firsthand, and there was no denying that he existed. I researched the Mothman legend online, and I discovered many people had seen him in West Virginia. He seemed to be drawn to that area for some unknown reason. I later learned that the Mothman is often associated with death and disaster. In 1966, there was a bridge collapse in West Virginia that killed 46 people. Some people believe that a Mothman was responsible for the bridge collapse, and that he was a warning of impending doom. I don't know if that is true or not, but I do know that it's a creature to be feared. Since my encounter, I've had some nightmares about it flying over me. Its glowing eyes burned into my brain. It's become a permanent part of my life and I'm always on the lookout for it when I'm camping or driving through West Virginia. I never want to see that again. But part of me is also drawn to it. It's a mystery that I'll never be able to solve, but it's left a mark on me forever. I'm writing you from the Navajo Nation in New Mexico, near the border of Arizona. I felt the need to tell my story and the amazing thing I saw last night. As a Navajo, we've always loved the world and what it can offer. We see beauty in the simplest things. We honor the animals we hunt. When the rains come, we savor the water as it allows the plants to grow again. And we've always looked into the night sky with wonder. Last night, that sky brought something to the earth that I will never forget as long as I live. We were outside performing a healing ceremony for one of our tribal elders who has lung cancer. We were singing and dancing and it was getting late. Just then the sky became very bright, like the sun in midday. We saw a round circular ship that seemed to fall right to earth, but land gracefully in a way that defied gravity. We heard a loud buzzing sound coming from the ship. The doors opened and out walked what can only be described as an alien, or one of the greys as I've heard people call it. It was short off-white in color, and had large black eyes, like that of a fly. We all stood frozen in the night. One of the young men from the tribe tried to run forward with his bow to protect the tribe, but the alien just looked at him, and he was frozen and dropped the bow from his hand. 
In my mind, I remembered the stories of what happened in Roswell, how a ship from the sky had crashed, but the remains were removed and never seen again. I knew that we were now seeing one of them alive. As thoughts raced in my mind, I could sense that the gray could hear what I was thinking. It began putting its own thoughts into my head, communicating without talking. It was telling me stories of how they built the pyramids of Egypt, but man had taken credit for it. The alien walked slowly back and forth looking at us. We smelled a strong earthy smell with a hint of sulfur. It was like whatever planet it was from had different smells than earth. I then told the alien using my thoughts that we were Navajo. We don't live by the ways of modern man. We do not abuse earth. I said your problems are not with us. I told him we have been invaded before, but this is now our land, our reservation, and we want you to leave in peace. The gray spoke to me telepathically again, saying it understood. It said it would attack the big cities, where man makes nuclear weapons. It said soon the world would see destruction like it's never seen before. Just then, it turned around and walked onto the ship again. It walked like a small child would, using its short legs and small steps. The door closed and the ship blasted far above the stars in an instant. The alien was gone. I pray that it never returns and what it said will not come true. Music